So, um, so we're starting today a, um, a, a new series called um, Relationship Status. And uh, so what we're going to be doing uh, over the next uh, few weeks is we're going to be talking about different uh, relationship aspects, different uh, ways that we have relationship uh, with people. And what does it mean uh, to be um, a Christian? What does the Bible say about how we interact with uh, people that we have relationship with. So uh, today, um, I asked uh, this beautiful lady to help me out, and uh, we're going to talk about, yeah, you can give her a round of applause, absolutely. (laughs) She loves that. She loves this stuff. Um, So we're going to be talking about, um, (laughs) what does it mean, I'm a spouse, and and as a a married couple, what does it mean to, to uh, have a, a marriage relationship, and and th- th- this doesn't mean that if you're not married that you need to tune out because you know who knows what could happen. You know, one day you might you know find you know somebody that you uh, want to uh, be in that re- kind of relationship with, and so it's important for you to understand and to learn right now what your uh, role is or what your responsibility is um, as a as a spouse, whether you're a wife or a husband, what your role is in that way, and so. Um, but we're going to talk about that, and then we could probably talk about marriage for the next 10 weeks um, and probably not cover all of the information necessary for it. So I, I get that, but um, we're going to talk about marriage today, and we're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about um, what does it mean to be a friend, you know. And then we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a colleague, a, a coworker. And so we're going to talk about these different relationship aspects that hopefully, you know, these speak to your life and hopefully you gain a better understanding of how we have relationships, better relationships, especially as Christians, especially as believers, which is probably the majority uh, of you in this room is, is followers of Jesus. So um, marriage, uh, it's interesting. If you do a Amazon, go on Amazon.com and you type in, um, marriage books or books on marriage, you'll find um, probably over 300,000 books on marriage. Over 300,000 books on marriage. And what's also interesting about that is not that there's, so there's a, there's a slew of information about what does it mean to have a good marriage? What does it mean to have a better marriage? There's 315,000 books available for you to figure out how to, how to have a better marriage. But there's also, what's interesting, in the sponsor um, items, in the there's a sponsor se- section on a, on your Amazon page, and in those sections it tell, it says things like how to work through a divorce, how to you know improve on you know so that before she walks out on you, you know th- these are other information. So what what we're learning is is that what they're what they're discovering is is that people are looking to better their marriage, but they're also saying. They're not making it. They're not succeeding. And so we're going to give you links for you to have a better marriage or a better relationship or, or how to get through divorce, you know, in a simpler way. There's so much research available out there. I can't tell you how many hours I've spent in my job as, as a pastor, how many hours I've spent sitting down with people in this area of marriage, in this area of relationship and talking about you know, the, this idea of, of, you know, being husband or being a wife and what are, what are our roles. So I, I've spent hundreds of hours talking with people over the, you know, the amount of years that I've been in ministry um, just working through some of this stuff. So there is, like I said, we could probably spend 10 weeks on this, but we're going to spend one week on this. So hopefully you're taking notes today 
And uh, we think that what we give you today is, is uh, helpful um, and it's very, very biblical. We believe that this is God's design for it. Now, God designed marriage, right? You know this, correct? I know on some days it doesn't feel that way. You know, it's like this doesn't feel like of God, but th- it is. God designed marriage. God created man and he created woman in a unique way, in a, in, a, in a special way, in a different way. You know, God pumped in man, a lot of testosterone, right, men? But God pumped in woman a lot of estrogen. It doesn't mean that there's not a little of both in each, but there's but God created man in different ways. And, and as a result of all of that testosterone and all of that estrogen, there's different ways in which man looks and man thinks and woman looks and women think. And, and there's just differences for it. And I don't need to tell you that. I didn't blow your mind just now letting you know that information. But that's just the reality of how God designed it. God created it in that way. And God meant it to be good we we see that in genesis that on the sixth day god created man and 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 when when he created man uh, he said it is not good that man will be alone he said it's not good that man should be alone he said i want to find a suitable helper or, or a helper helper suitable for him and so god caused adam to fall asleep and when adam fell asleep god took the rib of Adam and he made a woman. Now how God did that, I have no idea. But God made man out of the dirt of the ground, the dust of the ground. That makes a little bit more sense. But how God created woman out of the rib, we have no idea, but that's exactly what God did. And God made them very differently and very unique. And God made them to be to be very compatible, to be compatible emotionally, to be compatible physically, to be compatible spiritually. That's the way that God made them. And boy, that first day, I mean, I, you, you just can tell by the language of how it was written, how excited Adam was to see his wife, Eve. I mean, you know, and the word woman means out of me. That's what the word woman means. It means out of me. And so Adam sees Eve and goes, she's like me. She looks like me. And by the way, Adam was made in the image of God. Therefore, Eve is made in the image of God. That men and women are created. We are made in the image of God. And Adam was excited to see somebody that actually looked like him. He was like, "There's, you know, I just named the cow. I'm glad I don't have to have that, you know, a zebra. And he named all of these animals. But finally he says, I'm going to name her Eve. I'm going to, she's a woman. She's out of me. And, and, and God designed it in that way. God made it in that way. But then Genesis 3 happened. Genesis 2 was everything was good and everything was perfect. And God created this relationship for two people to, be, to come together, to be united together, to be you know, compatible together spiritually, physically, emotionally. But then Genesis 3 happened. And sin entered into the world. And it fractured everything. It fractured everything, including relationships, including marriage. The relationship between Adam and Eve, it tells us in Genesis 2 that they were naked and unashamed. And then you see in Genesis 3, when sin enters the world, they're hiding from God because they're ashamed that they're naked. The innocence was gone. The purity was gone. Adam didn't, didn't just be able to wake up from a nap and everything be okay in his relationship. Guys, don't you wish that that was the case today? That Adam just woke up from a nap and everything was right, you know, with them physically and spiritually and emotionally. But boy, we wake up from a nap and she's like, you got a chance to take a nap today? 
Because we live in a broken world. We live in a fractured world, and it fractures our relationships. And therefore, it makes relationships, and it makes marriage hard. We're here to tell you today that marriage is hard. Does anybody else want to admit to that? It's hard. It's challenging. There's difficulties because we live in a fractured world as a result of sin. But here's the story of God. Here's the story of God. If God was going to write a story, he would call it redemption. He would call it restoration. All of the Bible is about bringing things that are fractured and taking things that are broken and putting them back together again. That everything that God has seen fractured, that God is in the business of restoring that and making it to a place where it's pure, where it's whole, where it's innocent, where it's, they're compatible both spiritually, emotionally, and physically. That is possible for us on the other side of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because God is about restoration. And no matter how broken or fractured you feel like your relationships are, no matter how broken or fractured you feel like your marriage is, that we have a God who's in the business of restoring things. Do you believe that? We have a God who's in the business of restoring things. So today, Katie is going to talk to women, wives specifically, about what your role is as a wife from a biblical standpoint. Now, are we marriage experts? No way. We're not. We're just two people who love each other and who are trying to get this right and we're trying to do what we believe that God wants us to do within our roles, within our responsibilities as a wife and as a husband. That's what we're trying to do. And so we're going to try to share with you just some biblical things that we think that will be a help to you so that you can make, you can make, no matter how long or how short you've been married, that you can make your marriage better and make it in a way that the way that God designed it to be. That's the way that God wants our marriages. And I'll tell you why at the very end. But right now, I want Katie to come and share with you some things about a role of a wife and what those things are, okay? Okay, I guess we can, um, am I on mode? Okay. Um, this isn't natural for me. He's like, it's just fine. You just get up there and talk. And I'm like, that's not, I don't like doing this. This isn't me. And the week we've had, it's been a high-bye week. Like, we've just been in and out. You know, he's taking kids, and it's just like, you know, finding time to sit down and talk about this has been a little challenging. But I think it's it's worked out. And, you know, we just went to, what does it say in the Bible? You know, we don't, we're not going to try and make up our own things. And I'll share some little tidbits of our life and um, let you in on what we deal with. But it's not perfect. And... Um, I don't want you to, you know, think that or, you know, and also don't fall into the comparison trap here with that message. But back in the garden that in Genesis 2.18, it talks about a helper, that God made a helper for Adam, and that was what Eve was, um, that it says a suitable helper. I think it's 2.18 on your version. Um, it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, helper suitable for him. Um, and I think it took some time for me to find out what it was to be a suitable helper for Chris. The way he is isn't going to be the way that you are with your husbands. They're going to need different things. He is OCD. He likes the house cleaned. I mean, this might sound silly, but it was something that, you know, when we had kids, it was like coming home from work, doesn't want to come home, 
to, you know, stepping over shoes and toys and everything. So I would try to be a helper and saying, okay, you've been gone all day and you'd like the house cleaned. And granted his, like, um, it's changed over the years. Like he's accepted a little more messiness, I guess. Um, since With four kids. <laughs> just keep piling up. Um, you know, and another thing, just to be a helper for him because he's got an important role of, being pastor of a church and making sure that meals are decided on. That's what I do. He just, he doesn't, I'm like, what do you want? And he's like, I don't care, just make something. I don't want to have to worry about it. Um, and it's something that I struggle with, but it's just something that he likes to have done, and I know that he is. And you might find this different in your households, but that's what he likes. And he does the cleanup, and that's how we kind of help each other out. Like, I'm running around, um, he's playing with the kids, I'm making dinner, and then he cleans up and I kind of stay out of his way because he's OCD and that's his um, way. Um, and out of my cleaning up. But I think it's over time that I've found that out. I mean, we've been married over 13 years and um, just to be a helper. I know that he has a big job here and I want him to succeed at his job as a pastor and in life and it's not going to work if I'm not helping him in any way that he needs. Um, it. So we can look at, um, thankful for my pastor, he's worked that out, so it spells her. So if you see, we'll have three roles, and the first one, helper, um, you can remember this. Um, the next one is encourager, um, for E. Um, I know that he needs this a lot. Um, I looked at a couple verses in the Bible, and I found myself in Proverbs, and um, Proverbs 21, verses 9, um, talks about it's better to live in a corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. And then, all, then verse 19 says it is better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. And I, you know, that's not the goal that I want to be. I don't want him to look at me in those ways as a Proverbs 21 woman. Um, then on the opposite angle, I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. And if you go to Proverbs 31, I think we all know that. It's something, you know, little girls know when you hear this verse, uh, this book in Proverbs. And um, it says, an excellent wife, who can find her? For her worth is far above jewels. And verse 11 says, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. And then kind of comparing with um, Proverbs 21, if you go down to verse 26 and 31 says, she opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Now, you can either be a Proverbs 21 woman or a Proverbs 31 woman, and kind of like think about that. Um, and I know I've been both <laughs> many days. I think it's our, you know, our tongue, the way we talk, it can make or break someone. Um, being in ministry is hard. I mean, a lot of people, you have jobs, you're dealing with people. When you're dealing with people, it's a roller coaster. One day you are on a high, something happened. The next day you're confused and wondering what happened, what did I do wrong? And, um, you know, I'm sharing with you, it takes a toll on him. Uh, many times it's just like, I didn't get to call that person back, or I didn't meet with that person they've been wanting to meet. It's been weeks now, and I haven't gotten with that person. And there's many times where he needs me to encourage him, to listen to him, and um, and to just be there and encourage him, to let him know that he's doing a good job. And there's also many times that I think that something happened, and I might 
think you did poor you know you chose poorly on that and at that time when he's discouraged it isn't my time to say well here's the five points that you blew this situation and you could do better next time i think he i'm very good at the five points though (laughs) which that's not good either you can turn that mic off or But I think it's, you know, over time, I think many of us, and I think criticism is a hard thing um, to share in any aspect, in a job and anything. And, um, you know, he knows maybe where he chose poorly in a situation, and he doesn't need me bringing that up. He needs me to encourage him. And maybe at a later time, I can bring it up. And I think that's with him over this marriage that we've had timing is important and it's probably important a lot of you might agree with that certain times is not the right time to bring up a situation if he's not in the mood it's not going to get anywhere it's just going to lead to a fight it's um, choosing the right moments to bring up um, you know what's happening and maybe it won't even be necessary to bring up because he's already realized something or um, corrected it I think when it comes down to encouraging, do you want to be a Proverbs 21 woman or a Proverbs 31 woman? Um, and the last one, I didn't choose this word, but respecter. I don't even know how. It, it w- works with her, respecter. Helper, encourager, respecter. Um, and this falls under um, respect means subject, submit. That's where I'm coming up with that. In Ephesians 5.22, um, it says, Wives, be su- subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, oh, oh. as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Um, and then also in Colossians 3.18, it talks about the same. Um, wives, be subject to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Um, I think this is sometimes when you hear hear this in our culture and people that don't understand the Bible or people that might not have a full understanding, a lot of women get defensive when they hear this and they think it's maybe an outdated standard. I think they, you know, that's, you know, 1950s, that's what wives did. It's just not today's standard. And what I would say to that is the Bible was written to go across all ages. It's what is said is not outdated. It is what's true and what stands the test of time. And I think people who think it's an old-fashioned idea don't fully understand what it is um, to be, um, to submit to your husband. Um, I thought even when he doesn't deserve my respect or me to submit to his authority, I give it anyways out of reverence and respect for God's role that he gave us, for his design. I'm obedient to God by being submissive to him. Even though he, I don't agree with him or I might not like what he's doing, that's what the Bible commands. And I know that if I follow that, it's going to work out. I think that's if you follow the design and the roles of husbands and wives, it it works itself out. It doesn't, if you're going against it and you're fighting each other all along the way, it's, you're going to have disagreements and it's not going to work out. Um, I know that um, there was a situation that our family was going somewhere, the whole family, and it was like right after Christmas, 
and I, you know, I wanted to go. I don't like to miss out on things that the whole family's doing. And he's like, we just can't afford it right now. He's like, we have a big family. To get a hotel room for six of us is, you know, ridiculous. And I was not happy with that. And I knew, because in the past, we're like, oh, we'll just deal with it. We'll just, you know, we'll go and we'll, you know, it's a fun time. We know we're going to enjoy family time. Um, but he just was like, it's not wise to do that. And I'm like, I know it's not, but... <laughs> So I just like, I was just like, I'm just going to let him. He's made this decision, and I had, you know, a peace about it, even though I was, you know, trying to fight him. But he, one of his roles is he's a provider, and that's a big burden on him, that he wants to provide for our family. And he has a big role, and God, since he's the head of our household, he's going to take the brunt of it before I am, because that's how God's looking at him. And I need to submit to his decision. And making it and it worked out and we went for the day and it was fine but it was just like when he was like it's not a wise decision and I just was like you're I I agree I'm not you know I want to do this but this is what's going to work out for us um in the end so I just um you know it's just understanding what God's word says and knowing that we're doing it as just with anything when we're doing things for people we're doing it like we're doing it for Jesus and that's how what you're doing for your husband you're doing it because you're being obedient to God. And whether he's um, being pleasant to me or not, I'm still going to listen to him and respect his authority. I did hear one thing on the last note that I read somewhere, that the husband is the head of the house and the woman is the nest. So it kind of whole, it supports um, that, if you think of that, because it works together. On, in Christ, we're joint heirs. Our relationship is not, Christ doesn't look at us as, not equal, and I think that's where it kind of gets mis, um, people get misled and looking at roles of husbands and wives, but God gave us a plan so that we can live in freedom and enjoy our lives here. He didn't give us these to restrict us and hold us back. So that's about it. <clears throat> so the role of, uh, of a husband um, then is, is this. Um, we put him now as your role. Um, it's uh, H is it means to honor her, to honor her. First uh, Peter three seven says this. It says, "You husbands, in the same way, uh, live with your wives. Live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not uh, be hindered." And so it des- it describes um, the woman. And again, these are some of the things that sometimes. Uh, feel offensive uh, in, in this in our culture in this day and age when we talk about a woman as someone weaker um, and um, it's just m- meant to be just in a way that whereas uh, women are just present designed differently and and designed uh, in a way that um, they are considered like delicate that word uh, weaker means a, a like a delicate instrument in, is what it is and and women are to um, and men are to uh, treat women as a as a delicate instrument, and so it tells us in First Peter that we're to to honor her, to honor her, 
So just like you would have like something new, like we, I remember when I got um, a new device and um, they always want you to, when you get a new a phone or a new tablet, they always say, you, you know, do you want to put a protection plan on that? Because, you know, you, you don't know if this is going to break or you, you, know, may, you may drop it or, you know, and I, and I said, no, 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 it's okay. Well, after I walked out of the store, I really felt like, man, I need to be very careful with this thing, you know. Like, they might be right. If I drop this thing, man, I got to pay, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollars to get this thing replaced. And, and so they make you feel, culture makes you feel like, you know, you need to have these protection plans uh, on things that are delicate. And so we treat things like that. We treat things that are delicate, things that are important to us. You know, when maybe, ladies, you have a, a clothing item that you, you like, you buy it brand new, and you don't want to wash it because you don't want it to be ruined, right? And I think that on some washing machines, they have, they have this delicate setting on it, right? They want, you want to be careful that you don't ruin it, that it doesn't shrink, that it doesn't fall apart. Well, this is the same way that we are to treat our wives, husbands, we're to honor her, we're to treat her in a delicate way and treat her in a way that the, 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 the way that God wants husbands to treat their wives in, in that manner. Um, I, I tell my kids that they're to honor, honor my wife because that's what they're told in the, in the scripture. They're told that because she deserves it, she deserves to be honored. I told, I told them that is because, and the reason is because they also have a biblical mandate to do that, to honor their father and their mother. mother. And so these are, this is one of the things I think, husbands, that we need to learn to do is to look at our wives as a, as a very, very delicate thing that God created and God designed and then to honor her in, in that way. In that way. And here's what I think is so interesting about this. He says that if you don't do this, and that you need to show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace, which means that, that you know, that she, she's not, your wife is not a second-class citizen. That you need to, as you share in the heir of the grace of life, here's why he says that you need to honor her and understand her. So that your prayers will not be hindered. So that your prayers will not be hindered. That there's a correlation, husbands, between how you treat your wife and how you honor your wife and how you look at her and how you, you know, cherish her. That there's a correlation between that and your spiritual life. There's a correlation between how you view her and the way that you're supposed to respond to her and your prayer life. He says you're to show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. I don't know about you, but husbands, we need our prayer lives to work, don't we? Husbands, we need to make sure that there's a direct connection to our Father. Why? Because we need it. Why? Because we live in broken, fractured relationships, broken, fractured world, and we need all of the be able, we need to be able to communicate with God as much as we possibly can. So a part of that is that you need to honor her. You need to treat her as the as someone weaker not someone less, not a second-class second, second class citizen, but someone who is delicate. Someone who is delicate. Listen, if I'm looking to cut down a tree, I'm not going to grab that guitar to cut down a tree. Because it's a delicate instrument. If I go to cut down a tree, I'm going to get an axe. I'm not going to grab a guitar. Why? That guitar would, would shred. That guitar would explode. This is the same way that we're to look at our wives, husbands. And we're to honor them in that way so role of a husband you need to honor her she deserves it 
She deserves this. Another reason why is because it is a mandate from God. It's a mandate from God. And if you don't, husband, your prayers are going to be hindered. If you don't, it's going to stop. It's going to, you know, you know, cloudy. It's going to, you know, static your, your communication with the Lord. He says, hey, you need to honor her. You need to honor her. The second thing is, is this. And again, why are these important? Why are these important? Well, these are important for a very, very uh, specific reason. And that is this, is that because we're, as a husband, we are Jesus to our wives. We're to love them like Jesus loved the church. It tells us that in, in, in Ephesians chapter number 5. It tells us this. It says, husbands, verse 25, love your wives just as Christ has also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. We have a responsibility, husbands, to be Jesus and to love our wives the same way that Jesus loved the church. And Jesus treated us delicate. Jesus has treated us in a delicate manner. Jesus has honored us even when we don't deserve it. This all goes back to, you know, she said, I respect him because of the fact that I am commanded, I'm mandated by God to do that, even when he doesn't deserve it. And, and by the way, there's times often that I don't deserve it. I don't deserve her respect. Sometimes when it comes to, you know, your wife, she doesn't deserve to be honored, but it doesn't mean that we don't. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't, and it doesn't mean that it won't affect your relationship with the Lord, because it absolutely will. It will. We are to love husbands in the same way that Jesus loved. We're to honor her. The second thing is that we're to be an initiator. We're to be an initiator. What does that mean? That means that we are to sacrificially go out of our way to initiate any kind of brokenness or any kind of need for restoration or any kind of forgiveness. Husbands, you are, ought to be the initiator. You need to be the one that goes out of the way. Why? Because Jesus was the initiator for us. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That if we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church, it's supposed to be this kind of love found in 1 Corinthians 13, 5. It says this, does not, love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked it does not take into account a wrong suffered that's what the kind of love that we need to have towards our wives husbands and that is a initiated role that is a you know what when you think that you're 99 percent right you need to go and say i'm wrong for the one percent no 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 you need to go and say I'm wrong, I'm sorry, 
I want this to be restored. I want us to be, forgive each other, and I want us to move on. As a matter of fact, the Bible gives us a great principle on this. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is a great relationship principle. Before you turn over and go to sleep, the husband's role, you hear me, husbands? The husband's role is to initiate the forgiveness. The husband's role is to re initiate the forgiveness. It is not for her part, and I'm you're only forgiving, you're asking for forgiveness for your part. It is for the whole problem. Let me remind you, husbands, you love your wife in the same way that Jesus loved the church. We, as sinners, were a hundred percent wrong. Jesus was a hundred percent right, but Jesus initiated the cross so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be restored. I don't care if you think, husbands, you're a hundred percent right. Jesus was a hundred percent right, but he still sacrificed himself. He still loved in a way that did not seek its own. He still loved in a way that was not provoked. He still loved in a way that was sacrificial. And he initiated that love. Guys, you honor her. You honor her. Guys, husbands, you're the initiator. You're the initiator. And the third one is this. Is the M for him is to minister. To minister. Um, Ephesians 5.29. Reuben, do we have that one? Ephesians 5.29? It crashed. Okay. I have it right here. Ephesians 5.29. Or we could do old-fashioned style and open up your Bible to Ephesians 5 if you want to do that. Uh, Ephesians 5.29 says this. It says, For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. So we talked about, when we talked about honor her, we talked about that idea of cherishing her, cherishing her. When we talk about minister, we talk about the idea of nourishing her, nourishing her, providing for her. And the other, word, the other way to, to say that is to be, to be the provider. Husbands, your job is to be the provider, the provider physically and the provider spiritually. Okay? And you are, as a, as a physical and a spiritual provider, you are to nourish her. You're to provide love in a way that she is not starving for more love. You're to love her in a way that she is not starving for more love. Longing for, for more. Longing for and wishing for something better, something different. Your job, husbands, is to nourish her, to not malnourish her. I want to show you an image that I think just, just gives a great picture of this. Now, um, this is a young man. Do we have that image, Ruben? Here's a young, young guy in our, in our church. Uh, this is Jackson Charneski. And um, almost a year ago, uh, Jasmine and Eric brought uh, Jackson and Joy uh, home here with us. And... Um, and Jasmine, uh, Jackson's mother, posted this picture on Facebook. And the, 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 the image on the left is Jackson about a year ago, probably a year ago. And the image of him on the right is, is, is recent. And you can just tell 
the difference. You can see the difference. He was, he was days away. Jackson was days away from dying before they rescued him, before they brought him home. He was days away. He had an acid reflux issue um, that they didn't address the way that they needed to address. They brought him back here. Jasmine and Eric, mostly Jasmine, spent weeks in the hospital with, with Jackson um, just so that they could, they could give him the proper nutrients that he needed in order for him to sustain life. But this is what he looks like today. And by the way, when he saw his pastor today and reached out to us and everything, I just thought, that's amazing. I just am so grateful to be able to be his pastor. But I just want to show you the difference between him where he was malnourished and now where he is nourished. And I'm telling you, that's not just food and nutrients that he's received. That's now love and care that he's received. Now, you may not see this in your wife physically, but this is maybe what your marriage potentially looks like on the left spiritually and emotionally. You hear me, men? This is the danger. Ephesians 5.29 says, Husbands, you are to love your wife in a way that you nourish her, that you provide for her, not only physically, but spiritually. Husbands, your responsibility is, is to be the spiritual leader, the spiritual head. Times where you share and devote, do devotions together and do to set up devotions with your family, that is on you, husbands, to initiate that. That is on you, husbands, to make sure that your kids are nourished spiritually and that your wife is nourished spiritually. It's on you. It's your job to do that, not hers. Now, I'm grateful to have a great helper who does that, and we orchestrate a time where we get together as, our, as a family, and we do it at 730 we do it right before they, they, they get into their beds. We do it at 7.30. And I got to tell you, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. You're like, oh, wow, I wasn't ready, ready for that. It was a, it's a struggle. It's hard to do. But it's a responsibility that we have. It's a responsibility to make sure that our kids and my wife is being nourished in the way that they need to, especially spiritually. To gather together as a family and to open up God's word together. We do it. I mean, I, I know that you may be like going, oh, really? That's all you do? We have, a, we have an app. There's a Bible app. And we open up this Bible app and they have these, these different stories that you can go through. And we open up this Bible app and we hold up our tablet and we let the narrator tell a different Bible stories we go through. And as you go through, they ask different questions. And so my kids, you know, tap on the thing and it has a question that pops up. And we talk about whatever the question is asked. We talk about it. We talk about the story. We pray together. We have our kids pray. I mean, these are just a time that we do that. Are we able to do that every single night? No, not every single night. But we try to make it consistent enough to where it's a routine, where they know it's priority, where they know it's important. But when I stand before God one day, and you're going to stand before God as a husband, when I stand before God, I'm going to be held accountable to that. I am, not her. It was Eve who ate from the fruit in the garden. Can we all admit to that? And Adam quickly wanted to point his finger at her and say, this is the woman that you gave me. Boy, men, we're so good at that too, aren't we? You gave me her. She did it. 
But you know who was accountable? Adam. You know who's the reason why sin entered the world? It didn't say Eve. It said Adam. It said Adam. Why? Because the Adam that's a husband is the leader. As a leader, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to honor her. As a leader, as Jesus, you're supposed to initiate. As a leader, as a husband, you're supposed to minister. You're supposed to provide. You're supposed to nourish. That's a role. That's your role. If you want to have it the way that God intended it to be, even despite the fracture, even despite where relationships break down, this is the what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Ladies, you want to have the kind of marriage that God wanted, wants it to be? This is the kind of role that you play. This is your role, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, whether you think it's outdated or not. That's the role that you play. The role you play. And, and it's a battle. It's hard work. It's hard work, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Do you know why marriage exists? So that we can not be lonely? No. So that we can complement each other? No. Let me show you why marriage exists. Ephesians 5, look at what it says. It talks about marriage. It talks about the role of the wife, the role of the husband. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this is quoting from Genesis 2. He says, for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And then he says in verse 32, this mystery is great, which I love the honesty of, of Paul. He's like, marriage is like, I don't know, I don't know if I quite understand it either. Marriage, this whole role between the wife and the husband and the, what she does and how she is and how she thinks and, and how he thinks and what he does. I mean, it's just all a mystery to me. Do you ever feel that on some days, couples? It's just mystery. It's a mystery. But here's what he says. He says, this mystery is great, but I am speaking what I'm talking about with reference to Christ and the church. Do you know why you're married? Boy, if you don't know why you're married, you're missing the whole picture. You're missing the whole reason why God created it. You know why you're married? You know why you have a significant other? You know why? Not for loneliness purposes, not for compatibility purposes, not for sex purposes. Sorry, guys. Not for any of those reasons. But so that your marriage can show a picture of Christ and the church. The way that Jesus, husbands, you're to show. You are an illustration. Your marriage is meant to be an object lesson to a fractured world. Let me say that again. Your marriage is meant to be an illustration or an object lesson to a fractured world of how much as a husband I'm to love my wife. How much as Jesus loves the church. loves Jesus. Your marriage is meant to be an illustration of something much bigger than getting along and being nice and holding hands on a beach when you're 70. 
is meant to show a picture of Jesus as a husband, how much he loves the church, and how much the church wife loves Jesus. That's the point. That's the reason why you should marry him. Why you're married. That's it. Boy, that sounds overwhelming. But that's why he exists. That's why God created us in that way. That's relationship status. I'm a spouse. If you're a spouse, you got to know your role. you got to know what you're supposed to do so that it can be the way that God designed it to be and made it to be. Okay? All right, let's pray. God, God, thanks for the day. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the opportunity to share some, some truths that are hard to hear and difficult to wrap our minds around. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we begin this journey, begin the journey of whatever role that we wives that are in this room, what their roles are, husbands in this room, what their roles are. Those that are aspiring to be married one day, I pray, Lord, that they know their roles, they know what they're supposed to do, that they're listening because that one day they could be married. One day. You never know. God, I just I just pray, Lord, that you just are speaking to marriages here today, that you're challenging them in a way that um, may be different than the way that they've gone about it. God, you're in the restoration business. You're in the redeeming world. And that's what you're wanting to do in every relationship, especially marriage relationships that shows such an example, an illustration of what it looks like, what I am as a husband, the way that I'm supposed to love my wife in the same way that you, Jesus, loved us as a church. And as a church, the way that we are to dedicate our lives to your role and to understand that we're to encourage and we're to you know, God, we're, to, we're to just be the kind of people that you want us to be. God, that's what you've called us to do. You've given us principles through your word to apply to our life. I pray Lord that we're applying them today to our marriages. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.